Happy New Year and welcome back to another episode of The Raving Geeks, the official geek culture podcast of CM Life. I am your host, Steve Tiemann. I am Farhan Coleman. My name is Jeremy Augusta. And we are back for another uh, installment of the Raving Geek Awards. We are dressed to the nines. There's spotlights in the sky. I got my bow tie on. We're all in tuxes and we're here and we're going to talk (laughs) about... It's a clip-on. Yeah, mine's also a (laughs) clip-on. We're going to talk about... Our personal bests of 2018 in movies and games, a couple worsts, and some other stuff. So a lot of worsts. A lot. A lot of worsts. <laughs> um, we're just not going to do news today because there's way too much from break, and I would probably miss something. So we're just going to get right into the actual the meat of the podcast. So does anybody want to? S- we'll do like a round robin, like okay. our our three favorites, and then we'll do an honorable mention each, and then a worst, and then we'll talk video games and go from there. I'll so, go number one movie. Okay. Vice. Vice. Oh, the Dick Cheney yeah, one? Yeah, about Dick Cheney. My mm-hmm. hilarious, I love the directing and I love how it was edited. The music's brilliant. But it, It's such a great commentary on modern America. I think if you're at all interested in U.S. politics, you should go see this movie and you'll learn things about Dick Cheney and about George W. Bush. And while it's not exactly a true story, it's definitely faithful to what I know about it and like fact-checking things, it's been faithful in that way. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend going to see Vice. Okay, and I believe cool. it's by the same people who did Moneyball and The Big Short. Yeah, so if you like those movies, then... Adam McKay, I think, mm-hmm. directed that. And um, the guy, it has a narrator, and the narrator is a pretty famous actor that whose name's not coming to me. But if it does, I'll let you guys know. Okay, cool. Um, well, my I'll start in reverse. My number three um, was Mission Impossible 6. Oh, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I was like, this is going to be on someone's list, but I had to take it. It was just... I, I want to say that bathroom scene between Henry Cavill, yeah. uh, Tom Cruise, and then the other actor. That's probably if if I had to get, if I'm thinking about it now, probably the best action scene of the year. Just like in terms of sound, in terms of choreography, like yep. that was that alone. I think should put the movie on the list. But just <laughs> I was about to say that that yeah. one dude they were fighting. He he had it together, man. It was that was, that was intense. But yeah. just as far as just narrative wise as well, like I think it's the best told story. Of the Mission Impossible franchise, like you know what I'm saying, like yeah. you think Mission Impossible, you think action scenes, you think you know a little bit of story here with Tom Cruise and his team, but mainly you're there to see stuff blow up and mm-hmm. for action scenes. Where I think in Mission Impossible Six, they did a much better job developing the story. And while there were certain characters in there who I thought kind of came in and didn't didn't really serve a purpose, which is probably one of my main complaints of the film, mm-hmm. but everything else I thought was on point. And it this is. Like, thinking about it, I actually think this might be the best installment in the Mission Impossible franchise. It's either that or Rogue Nation. They're, like, neck and neck. Neck and neck, yeah. So, yeah, Mission Impossible 6 would be my three. It's it's also the only movie ever made where Henry Cavill has a mustache. And <laughs> yeah. if that's not enough to put it on your list, <laughs> that, I don't know what is. The the I love the controversy around that and how this is the movie that, that broke the back of Justice League. And I'm totally fine <laughs> with it. I, Absolutely, it's totally so good, it. and yeah. like the mustache is great in that, and Henry Cavill in general was just awesome in that, and like he really like plays the like his physicality up really well in it, especially in that bathroom fight where yeah. he's just like a wall of a man, and he does that arm reload. He's just so much muscle. He's huge. He's just like a wall of a man. And it's like, weird that he was more badass in that movie than he was as Superman. Yeah. To me, is the sad part, but at the same time, it shows you like how capable he is to mm-hmm. be that sort of actor and to be this, uh, like a physical dominant presence on screen, which is makes it more disappointing when you don't really get to see that Man of Steel. Yeah. But. Good stuff. The arm reload makes me poop my pants a little bit every time I see it. Like, if you 
It turns me on. If you just, so like, we have two very like, different there's a, reactions. There's a man in a hallway, and he's coming towards you and does, like, the gun reload, and he's, like, that big. I would, With like, his arms, my pants. If somebody reloaded his arms, I, I'd pass out. Yes. I'd give up. There's no way i fight that guy. Please, no. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> Anything but that. Um. Okay, so my number three, well, Mission Impossible was in my list. So I, I think it still is, but I'm going to have to think of another one. But my, th- my three is Infinity War, and it's not higher up mm. on the list because... I think it's more of like an event and it's like a culmination of everything. Yeah. Mm. And like the fact that it is as good as it is being the 19th movie in a franchise is insane to me. Like, yeah, they're, they're juggling so many characters and so and many like storylines and narratives and it's that good. And it is, it's still the best experience I've ever had in the theater. But, um, I don't know. I just think, well, I'll get to the other comic book movie that's on my list later. And that's, so 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 good, but Infinity War solid third place gets the bronze. Yeah, Infinity War is also my third place. Mm. Um, I'm not a huge superhero movie fan, which is weird for me to say on this podcast. It's not that I don't like them; it's that I like movies that are kind of indie and mm-hmm. hipster, to be honest. Um, so like I really enjoy Avengers, and it's probably my favorite superhero movie. Um, so yeah, yeah, I can't really add much more. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you you know, go with your number two or. Uh, I did I did my three, okay. so I'll do my number well, two last. My time. number two, I'm sure it's probably on your list as well, uh, is Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was to make I kind of you know, even though it is, yes, the first solo black superhero film we got in the MCU and I was very excited for it just on that alone. I was expecting it to be like an appetizer before we got Infinity War, and mm-hmm. it was so much more than that. Yeah. Um as far as like the it almost I wanna say broke the spell. Although I would say it was broken before that with Vulture and Hella, but I'd say this one was definitive. Like the villain curse has been broken yeah. with this film because Eric Kill, Michael B. Jordan is Eric Killmonger. Um, he won't be, but like to me, that was a uh, best supporting actor caliber performance yeah, that he gave. Sure. It's not going to happen just because I know how the Oscars operate, mm-hmm. but he's he would be very deserving to get that sort of nomination. And T'Challa, even though he's a more you know subtle, more serious, doesn't really crack a whole lot of jokes type of hero, it was very much still his story, even though. I heard a lot of people say the side, the supporting characters kind of outshined him. I personally disagree with that. It's very it's much the Chadwick story. It's hard not to with that cast. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Like, that cast, cast is ridiculous. just really good, but that doesn't mean that Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa wasn't still the standout in that film and how he portrayed that character, how he reacted to certain things, and also just the direction of Ryan Coogler. That man is on a, on a complete just role right now. It's ridiculous how four he's four films in now and they've all been this good. Yeah, they've all um, been out of the park. Just all of them. The man's like just like 100, 400 at this point, and mm. he, he's on a roll, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, I'm pretty sure he's still signed on to do Black Panther 2. Yes. Which um, should be going into production if it's not already very soon. Yep. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to what else Ryan Coogler can do with this franchise and how it goes moving forward because the first installment was phenomenal. Mm. All right, my number two was Mission Impossible, but you saw that, so thank you. <laughs> um, again, solid action movie, one of my favorites. Um, my other one for the, for this place is Annihilation. The, the Alex Garland sci-fi movie. I never movie. got to. Yeah. It was I'd, further to the beginning of the year, but... Did you say it was a superhero movie? No, it's no, sci-fi. It's okay, sci-fi. I was going to say, yeah. like, I thought that I thought that was the superhero movie that you were alluding yeah. to being um, number one on your list. No, that's my number one. But um, Annihilation was, it's a it's based on a book. It's like a sci-fi um, property that Alex Garland made into a movie, and he's done Ex Machina, which was amazing, and I think, I forget the other one. Maybe Sunshine. Point is, he does really, really good sci-fi 
movies, and this is no exception. Um, Natalie Portman, and it's like an all female, uh, like scientist slash soldier team. They go into like this weird dimensional thing that's happening in a forest, and everything's changing. And it's kind of like, what does it mean to be human? And stuff that sci-fi treads a lot, but it's like the trippiness of it and like mm-hmm. the twists is really good. I heard it was a very complex film to try to understand. Yes, kind of. Yeah. And then especially like at the like Oscar Isaac's in it and he's like has a really good like he's not a big presence in the movie but like his his bits in it are really good. And um the there's a really creepy sequence with like a a mutated like bear creature and like there's people like somebody goes crazy and then there's people tied up and then this bear creature mutant comes into like the house but it can't see. And it's like it can replicate like human voices, so it's like saying "Help me, help me." It's like really creepy and unsettling. Wow. So I would absolutely recommend it. It's a really solid sci-fi movie. And whenever I like think of my lists for like the best of the year, I try and find things that aren't franchises. Mm-hmm. Like last year, Logan Lucky was one of mine, um, Steven Soderbergh film. But that's like not connected to anything. There's not going to be a sequel or anything. So this was kind of in the vein of that. Like I just like find something that's independent. It's its own thing. It's telling its own story that's not connected to anything else. And Annihilation did that really well with, like, an interesting spin on, like, sci-fi. So that's my number two. Okay. My uh, number two is a Netflix movie, the not the blindfolded one with Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs <laughs> okay. is my number two movie. Did you guys watch it? I started it the other I did day. Not. So it's a Western, and there are six different episodes. Um they're directed like short films and each of them tell their own story and they don't really carry over. I really enjoy the mood of it. It's a beautiful movie to watch mm-hmm. and there are some episodes of it that are just so stunning. I I there was the amazing CGI in towards the middle. Just I could not tell if it was CGI or real life. It was mm-hmm. it was really great. I'm trying to figure out who it was directed by. Cole I believe it's the Coen Brothers, yeah. Um, it has James Franco in it. Um, That's he's probably the biggest name. Liam Neeson. Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, Liam Neeson's character is pretty small. Tim Blake Nelson is fantastic. Yeah. He's the first episode, and he's like, um, he's like a gunslinger, but he's also very lighthearted and sings a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's a hilariously gruesome character to watch. Mm-hmm. And I I watched this movie, uh, like in the middle of playing Red Dead Redemption Two. Oh yeah. So it really kind of came together, and I I absolutely was blown away by the direction and just how visually stimulating it was. Mm-hmm. The one, the the first one, and I think the second one is the one with James Franco. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorites currently. Yeah, I really like the one with James Franco, and then there's a prospecting one. That's, yep. that was my that favorite. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. The the pans. Yeah. That took me like complete like because there at the beginning it's like it's like um like a storybook. Yeah. And like there's like the first page is like a picture relating to the story. Like the I don't want to. Well, whatever. There's a guy, like, covered in pans, and there's, like, a bullet de- deflecting off of it, and, like, you see that as, like, the cover, and you're like, what? Yeah, like, they give you these little <laughs> teasers, and you're looking towards how what you already know is going to come in, and it it's always a unique way yeah. of of bringing itself into the so, story that you're Like, James Franco's, like, an outlaw, and he's trying to, like, shoot at this, like, old guy, and he's, like, covered in pans. <laughs> and he, like, shoots at him, and it, like, pings off, and he's like, pan shot, ping, pan shot, and it's very funny. They're they're also very different in the takeaways. Mm-hmm. So some are very very dark, like the Liam Neeson one. The Liam Neeson one is incredibly dark, and even the James Franco one. And mm-hmm. some are very ha- like not very happy, but they have a positive ending, and mm-hmm. you're you're happy that those characters mm-hmm. turned out that way. So I I really highly recommend the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yep, it's really good. Um, well, my number one fairly predictable: Avengers: Infinity War. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to go with I want I was trying to come up with something a little bit less cliche because I feel like Avengers Infinity War would be like the go to answer. Mm-hmm. But considering the range of emotion that I had sitting in that theater, completely not knowing what's going to happen, which is very rare for a superhero film nowadays. Yeah. Usually superhero films, even Black Panther, as great as it is, it's pretty paint by numbers. You have your hero, you have your love interest, you have your villain. Series of sequences play out. Hero beats villain. Everyone turns out okay at the end, and then you move on to the next chapter. There's a Marvel formula. Yeah, and, it it's, follows and it. it's, it's a pretty safe formula. You have humor, you know, dipped in here and there. It's, Mar- Marvel has a very safe formula that they stick to, and Infinity War sticks to it to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but it also completely doesn't yeah. in, in other ways. It, it does something, some things that are completely different that you haven't seen in the MCU up until this point. And then obviously with the ending, is something we've never seen in, I can say, superhero movie history up to that point. Um, so it was just as Considering how groundbreaking it was, considering how unprecedented it was to have that many characters in one film and to make it work and make them all have each individually their own, you know, role and importance and they each have their moment to shine in that movie and also to have a villain as menacing as Thanos was Mm -hmm. and also sort of making it his movie while at the same time, like I said, focusing on the Avengers, I thought it's incredible that that someone was actually able to pull that off considering how difficult of a task that is. So just on that alone, I had to give Infinity War number one, considering the level of difficulty the Russo brothers had creating that film and how well they pulled it off. Right. So. All right. Uh, my number one is a, re- a recent movie, Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. That movie is, it's one of the best animated movies I've ever seen, like ever. Like, um, I think before I went in, Iron Giant and The Lion King were like my top two, and this is my, my clear number one now. Just everything about that movie is so well done, and there's like so many just like things. I love the animation style, how it's literally just like they animated a comic book. It was, it was a great animation style. I love style. that. It's one of the most unique things. I've I love ever the seen. whole cast. Um, who's Miles? Shmeek Moore? Yes. Yeah. Him as Miles, Jake Johnson as Peter Parker, Nick Cage steals the show, John Mulaney, Spider Ham, Haley Steinfeld as Spider Man. Like that whole cast is amazing and they the way they interact is like so good with such a like wild concepts like okay so parallel universes and there's a bunch of spider-man but also some of the spider-men are like really wacky mm-hmm. and like it it completely fits like tonally and just like some of the parallels from like the beginning and the end of the movie where miles is like testing out his powers versus when he takes the leap of faith which like the what's up danger scene where he's like jumps off the yeah. building that whole sequence is like incredible and just everything about it and like the message like the takeaway like it could be anybody behind the mask which is like one of stan lee's like core things about spider-man going all the way back to when it was just like a comic book he's like Mm -hmm. i forget the exact quote but basically and it's it's the it's my first thing that i pull up whenever anybody says stan lee was a racist (laughs) because there's a a quote about spider-man he's like that's the reason spider-man is so good because you can't see who's behind the mask he could be asian he could be black he could be white he could be a girl he could be gay he could be whatever that's the point of the character Mm -hmm. it's so literally anybody can identify with him and this movie like plays that perfectly and it's so good and i love that film to death and yeah i can't say also the chemistry and interaction between all the different spider-men in that universe it's hard to get yeah peter parker Miles Morales, you know, Spider-Gwen, and then Spider-Ham. No, like, these are all yeah. very wacky, weird characters outside of Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Like, mm-hmm. the, the rest of those Spider-Men aren't people, even Miles Morales. Like, the, the people aren't familiar yeah. with those other Spider-Men outside of Peter Parker. So trying to bring all of them together, considering how wacky some of them are, making mm-hmm. it work, I thought was a, a pretty um, mm-hmm. 
interesting thing they were able to do. And also, like you said, the animation style was just ridiculously good. Like, mm-hmm. I was talking with someone, they had, like, you know, the animation style when Spider, uh, I think it was Miles Morales, when he was shooting his web and it had, like, the sound effect, yeah, like, said, pop up on screen. Says the whip on yeah, the screen. Like, every that time was a really cool. cool, like, effect. I thought they added that it was really, like, shot as if it was, like, a moving comic book, which is mm-hmm. something we've, I don't think we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I could say that I, I wish they would do a little more of is play up the like Gwen Stacy like seeing Peter mm-hmm. Parker again because yeah. like her universe Peter, Peter died. died yeah yeah so like and they they hint at it a little bit when like he he when Peter sees that universe's MJ and she mm-hmm. goes that's not your MJ yeah so like I I almost wish they would have a little bit more to do with that mm-hmm. but we are getting more of these I think with like Gwen Stacy and Spider Woman. And stuff, so they could play that, play with that there. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it, it's it's such a good superhero movie. It's my favorite superhero movie of 2018, which is weird considering Sony made it. Yeah, and I have a vendetta against Sony, which we'll get back to. <laughs> but what, um, what really sucks is that Venom made way more money than that movie did. I know that's so unfortunate, and that Venom's has guaranteed sequels. And Into the Spider-Verse doesn't necessarily have that yet. Mm-hmm. Although Which, there is something in production for yes. Into the Spider-Verse 2. Okay, that, okay, that makes me happy. Even There's, though I haven't seen this movie, I'm, I'm glad that that genuinely good animated superhero movies are, are it's really, somewhat really popular. Yeah, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, this kind of is going to take Best Animated Film of the Year by a long shot. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there was anything this year. Maybe maybe Incredibles 2, you can make the argument for. Yeah. But I think, I think yeah, this, this blows Incredibles 2 out of the water. And I, I think far and away is the Best Animated Film of the Year, without mm-hmm. a doubt. All right. Um, we're going to get into honorable mentions before we get into worst. Um, my honorable mention um, was actually Into the Spider-Verse, but since you said that, I got something else, um, and it's Black Klansman. I didn't um, see that. Yeah, it was very, it's very interesting way to tell a story of having this uh, obviously a black police officer try to infiltrate the KKK and how they managed to do that, and the range of events that happened from the start of the film to the end of the film. And you actually like the scenes where Adam Driver has to obviously pretend to meet with these KKK members. It's very weird mm-hmm. to get, you know, what I'm saying to try to because you, when you think of KKK members, you don't really think about the people behind the mask and how they operate. And how this film kind of explored that and how these people operate in their day-to-day lives I thought was very interesting. Um, and also, obviously, just the whole dynamic of Adam Driver's character. And I'm forgetting I, I'm forgetting the, the lead actor's name. But um, the, their dynamic I thought was very interesting, having to coordinate this whole scenario and having, mm-hmm. like, the, you know, sort of headbutting that they do back and forth. And also, weirdly enough, uh, Topher Grace as David Duke I thought was very um, good casting. I don't mean to say anything bad yeah. about it. Yeah, Tover Grace on that point, but like I thought he was very good in that role and the way, like his demeanor and the way he carried himself and the conversations that he had on the phone with the main actor I thought were very interesting, especially at the end. Mm. I was dying laughing at the conversation they had. It was hilarious. I heard that after he made this movie, he like, he felt like so dirty. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> I have to go, I have to do something like Nice and like wholesome. So he like, yeah. he, like he like cut all the Hobbit movies into one movie. He's like, I just need to do something creative that's not like being David Duke. So here's the Hobbit cut into one movie. Yeah, no, he was, like I'm gonna watch that. Yeah. He was really good as David Duke, which is I don't, I we could take that as a compliment or an insult, however you want. But his performance was very good. The performances across the board in this film were, um, were amazing, and mm-hmm. it's kind of good to see Spike Lee have sort of a resurgence after yeah. he kind of hit you know sort of a, a period of time where his films weren't really being received well critically or financially. So it's kind of good to see a director of his caliber sort of make a comeback with something like this. Mm-hmm. So. My turn? Were you talking right. about Spike Lee? Yes. He also did uh, NBA 17. 
So that was his biggest success yeah. <laughs> up until Black Klansman. Yeah, no, that two K seventeen story needed. My honorable <laughs> mention is Bumblebee because it is the most improved. It gets my most improved award because. Wow. Like the Transformers movies, and we've gone over this. Yes, they suck. They're mm-hmm. trash. Michael Bay should feel bad about making them. Should I? Hope Except, he does. Like the first one was like it was fresh and new and interesting because like we'd never seen a truck turn into a robot on screen before. So that one like kind of gets a pass, but mm-hmm. also kind of doesn't. But like the subsequent like four are terrible. Awful. They're, they're trash. But this, Travis Knight directed it. It's like it's uh, for all intents and purposes, it's a reboot because it, it contradicts things that happened in the first one. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna pretend it's a reboot. You it's, should. It's so good. Like it's it's got it's Iron Giant vibes. It's all the Gen One looks of everything. Nobody's S- just like a giant metal salad. No. Okay. You, there's you can see like like things still move on the robots when they transform you can to go, an extent. Oh, that's that part of but the like, car. Oh, the fenders are here, yeah. and like here's the hood, or that's like what I there's the wanted. wings on that jet, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's just, and especially like there's maybe about five or six minutes of Cybertron stuff in this movie, and I went into that, and that alone is worth the price of admission. It was oh, yeah. wow. so good. It the was scenes like, on Cybertron definitely, I want to say made this movie, but it definitely improved yeah. like the experience a lot it's, more to actually see how things on Cybertron operated in their last moments yeah. when the Autobots were retreating. It's like, it, in every other Transformers movie, Cybertron is this just like imploding rock. Yeah. And you're like, well, that sucks. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live there either. But this is like, it's a planet. And there's a war going on, and you can see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost like everybody who made this movie made this and said, we're sorry about the other movies. Mm-hmm. Here's Cybertron, how you wanted it wanted. from the get-go. You could tell Autobots and Decepticons apart. All the Decepticons don't look the same. There's actually colors. It's just, it's really good. Yeah, it's, no, and I'm, I don't believe we actually saw Megatron at all in this no. film. There was um, no which I was, I was expecting to see him, and I'm kind of glad we didn't because mm-hmm. I was worried when we saw him he was going to have the same look as the Michael Bay yeah. films. So when they didn't show him, and even Optimus Prime to an extent looks different. Yeah. Although, the only yeah. one that's similar is Bumblebee, Bumblebee himself. And, yeah, Bumblebee he's, looks he's very got, similar. He's got the face from very, the Very, very similar ones. to the original films, but Optimus looks a little different, and right. obviously the all the human characters are different. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little... my Because my one of my main complaints of... The other Transformers movies is they focus way too much on the human characters. You don't get enough of the Autobots and Decepticons and all mm-hmm. that stuff. You don't want to see Shia LaBeouf and Josh Dumont? No, not <laughs> at all. Um, Neither do I. <laughs> but I don't mind the yeah. military guys because they're Air Force and I'm Air Force. Yeah. But moving on. How was, wait, wasn't John Cena in this movie? Yeah. He was. He was, was John Cena? He was actually good. Okay. <laughs> he was actually really good. He, he plays into the 80s macho military That's man. That's what I heard is he's very good at that character. Like, yeah. he's, he's really but good. But it, it fits because it's the 80s and it's cheesy and it's Transformers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like at one point he has this very The Marine-esque salute. Okay. He does. And it's very funny. <laughs> and Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, I like it. The only way I would say that works in this film is because the performances are a lot better, mm-hmm. whereas in the Transformer, the previous Transformers films, they're not. I still would have liked to see because you don't really get into the whole. I mean, obviously, you start off in Cybertron, that's how the film opens, but after that, you sort of hit kind of a a dead period where it's mainly just focusing on human characters and yeah. Bumblebee's in there, mm-hmm. but the film kind of focuses more so on Haley Steinfeld at that point and not so much on Bumblebee. Yeah, like it doesn't really to me it doesn't really become Bumblebee's film towards the end. So I, I, my main complaint would be that little middle section where there's not really a whole lot of Transformers stuff going on. I kind of mm-hmm. wish they had done something a more bit with more, that. Yeah, yeah, like there, it is, it is a Bumblebee movie that you don't have to have action going on all the time. But I still should be learning more about 
Bumblebee, not necessarily Haley Steinfeld. Mm-hmm. So that would be my one complaint about it. But everything else, I, I thought, it's yes, solid. Yes, definitely and I solid. Want more of this. And I'm, it did. It's not made. It didn't make a ton of money, which kind of bums me out. But it also was going up against Aquaman. Yeah, it, it was in a bad up. space for it to be released. Did you guys see Aquaman real quick? Yeah. It's yeah. Lacking. In several I had, areas. I had fun with it, but... I had fun with it, too, but it's also lacking in several areas. It's, yeah. I'll watch these movies if they come to Netflix. I, I, I'm not going to pay for If I had Aquaman. to compare Aquaman to something, it would be... I would say it's a better version of Suicide Squad to where, like... I would say it's a better version of Suicide Squad, although it, I would say it goes into the lore a lot more, though, because Suicide Squad, we didn't really get a whole lot of backstory on a lot of those characters. We do get a lot more backstory on Aquaman, whereas I had fun with Suicide Squad, but the script was terrible. I, okay. I had fun with Aquaman, but the script is terrible. So is Jason Momoa the next rock? I wouldn't go that far. I like him in this, and you can tell he, he has does a, bla- have a lot of charisma. You can tell he has a blast doing this movie. Okay. Yeah. So like I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't put it next to Suicide Squad. Suicide well, I don't Squad, hate Suicide Squad like, as much as everyone else I, does. Yeah. I don't like it I refuse that much. To watch but I definitely have fun with it. Squad. Like it's well, let's see, because like I can rewatch Suicide Squad. I probably you won't catch me watching rewatching BVS, but I will re mm. I will rewatch Suicide Squad because I in my opinion, there are certain aspects of that film that are fun to watch. Yeah. And but like I said, Aquaman is a better version of a film that's fun to watch but is lacking in several areas. I think it falls apart less in the third act than Man of Steel and Wonder Woman. Or I'll say Justice League would be a better comparison, a better version of Justice League. Yeah. You didn't have fun with Justice League at all? It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I had fun with it. But Aquaman, I'll say that's a better comparison. Aquaman is higher on my DC ranking. It's like... They they man Man of Steel Wonder Woman and Aquaman all jockey for first second and third, with me, like I I put it up there. Okay, and I know that some people might not think that, but it's it's pretty good. Um, I have issues with the third act because Aquaman is a tyrant who rules through fear, hmm. according to the third act. Ooh. Do you care if we spoil it? No, I don't care at all. So he gets the, he gets less. the trident like the 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 MacGuffin trident that allows him to, alert. to control the entire seas. Well, we for knew Aquaman. he was gonna get yeah. the trident. <laughs> it was in the trailer. So when he gets the trident, um, the other Atlanteans are trying. They're fighting another undersea kingdom because they want to like the control crab, everybody. Yeah, yeah the crab people. They're right? fighting the crab people because they want to unite all of the kingdoms and invade the surface world. Okay, because we're polluting and whatever. So Aquaman shows up with. Basically, the Kraken, okay. he like awakens this like sea monster from their myths, mm-hmm. and he uses the trident to turn all of the sharks and whales and megalodons that the Atlanteans ride against them. So he kills like thousands of Atlanteans when he okay. shows up with this Kraken, and then everyone's like, "Hey, he's got the trident. Guess he's king now. <laughs> I guess he won." And then they're like, "You're the king, Aquaman." But and then he beats his he beats Orm, who's like a good he's one of the better DC villains. So is Black Manta, by the way. I really like Black Manta. He was really good. Yeah. Yes, I actually wish we had gotten more of him. But he just like beats him, and then everyone's like, "Hey, he's got the trident. He's the king now." But it's like, like it's, that weird moment in Black Panther where Black Panther loses the fight to be king, and you're like, "Well, I guess it's this yeah, asshole." It's a bit like that. Only mm. Aquaman is less of an asshole than Killmonger okay. hmm. but I, much I, less of an asshole yeah I just got this like weird vibe from it it's like so he's the king but like he's only the king because he yeah. brought the Kraken and he, like, like I said everyone. the script was lacking in several areas the dialogue is very hard to get through yeah certain, <laughs> I heard the dialogue was scenes. very like some people really like played up their parts and they kind of knew what they were like Willem Dafoe's character mm-hmm. yeah and then Jason Momoa's delivery isn't super good but you can tell he the script is much written to for work him with. that's yeah. why I, I kind of gave Jason Momoa 
and um, other actors in that film sort of a pass, especially William Defoe, just because they mm-hmm. weren't they weren't given much to work with, and they I thought they did the best with what they had, mm. which was not much at all. So better than Venom. Yes, I haven't seen Venom, so I can't Miles. say that. Worse than Wonder Woman, better than Venom. Miles Somewhere ahead of Venom. Miles. Okay, it's yeah, Wonder Woman's better. But oh, what was I going to say? Did oh, you did you? It get looked to your, amazing, um, though. That's one thing I would yeah. give it. Visually, Visually it's stunning. Yeah, it's, okay. I'd say it's the best That's looking DC film, DC film I've ever yeah. uh, of the DC EU films. It's the best looking one mm. by far, by mm. far. Also, Tamara Morrison's American accent is lacking. Yeah, because there's, he's like, he has a, a lot very, of things in that film that he has are lacking. A very, uh, Prevalent New Zealand accent, Ooh. Django Fett. Oh, if you remember, yeah, he's Aquaman's dad, which is good casting, okay. but the accent's not there. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, which could be yeah. solved by just make it in New Zealand, or just like don't have him talk. Like, is is he in it for a lot? His dad, uh, he has, yeah, he, he's not in it a lot, but the scenes he's in are important. Doesn't yeah. he save a sea woman from drowning? Yeah, he's yeah. that's Aquaman's mom. Nicole he saves Kidman. Aquaman's mom, who is an underwater person. Yep, an underwater individual from drowning. I think no, she just like washes up and she's been like injured. Oh, yeah, okay. she was wounded from okay, yeah. something. Yeah, but yeah, he his scenes aren't there. Are he doesn't have a lot of screen time, but yeah. the screen time he is given is sort of important to push yeah. the story forward okay. to kind of see. Because one of the things I actually really did enjoy was how they set up the relationship between Aquaman and his father. Yeah, like they are. It's almost like they're best friends almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And also, like you said, that was one thing I was about to get to was Black Manta needed more screen time. Yes, he did not. He didn't have nearly as much. And even the fight between him and Aquaman, Aquaman kind of beat him mm. pretty handily. Like, it wasn't really much of a fight. The only reason I think Black Manta had the upper hand was because he caught obviously he caught Aquaman by his surprise. But once mm. he kind of got his footing together, it wasn't really much of a fight at that point. Um, so I'm curious as to see how they're going to – because his character, as we saw at the end, didn't die. So I'm curious to see how they're going to sort of bring him back to where it's believable that he can fight toe-to-toe with Aquaman because mm-hmm. they set it up in this film that he obviously can't, yeah. at least not with the technology he has now. I thought it was really funny. Have you, okay, quick disclaimer. Have you seen Hot Rod with Andy Samberg? Love that movie. Have not. Okay. I love Andy Samberg. So there's a bit in that movie where Andy Samberg's character falls down a hill for like five minutes. <laughs> He's just like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. And when he falls off the cliff... That was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> like, oh, because oh, it's like it it's really, so long. It just it, keeps He was falling. falling for a minute. I love that bit. Uh, every yeah. time when, I Black, so when Black Manta got pushed off that cliff, he was falling for a while. He hit like five or six rocks <laughs> yeah, on the way down. I was, I was like, there's no way that man's still alive. But uh, somehow, based on the it's logic good. of this film, it's a good suit. It's a, yeah. it's a high tech suit. I mean, but, yeah, but <laughs> like I said, this film script needs a lot of work. Yeah. There's just a lot of things that they just put in there. Just, the script was a bit yeah. rough. And lots of exploding walls. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things they just put in there because, well, we're just going to put this in here just because we need it to happen. doesn't really need to make sense, but we Like they push ran the story out of dialogue forward. and they're like, what do we do to end this scene? It's like, let's just make something explode. The wall's going to explode and then there's the action sequence that we need. Okay. There we go, already got yeah. <laughs> All right, so quick side jaunt into Aquaman, which I guess is an honorable mention too because I had fun with it. Um, I did, but it, it, I had fun with it, but there was so much wrong with it that it stopped me from like putting it in, in my honorable mention category. Mm-hmm. It was Fair enough. Yeah. All right, who else? My uh, honorable mention is a movie I had never thought I would see. I could have gone my whole life without seeing it. I didn't see the first one, Deadpool 2. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Deadpool 2. I thought there were moments where I laughed out loud, like the bit with the different like lame superheroes I absolutely adored. Yep. Um, I don't like Deadpool as a character, and I don't necessarily love the like the people who love Deadpool like people who say their favorite superhero is Deadpool, I'm like, okay, come on, man. They're but, like the lol random. People. Yeah, they're like the 
the raw XD <laughs> of superheroes. But like, I I really did enjoy the movie, and I like the storytelling. Um, and I think the plot was like silly enough where it fit really well. And Deadpool is a fun character to watch. Roland's really good, really good as Cable in that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited for Deadpool three now because um, Ryan Reynolds said he wants to explore Deadpool as being bisexual, which I'm there for fun. in the theater because that just sounds like a fun time. Mm-hmm. Especially with him flirting with that Soviet dude the entire... Oh, Colossus. Colossus. Yeah. Him just flirting with Colossus the entire time was hilarious. I love the the running bit where he just says Cable's a racist and then he's like, Cable's like, what? He's like, where <laughs> did, what did you, you just say? No, yeah. shut up. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah, that's okay. good. That, um, that's it for movies. Yeah, I think that's it for oh, our mentions. Worst, yeah. Worst. Oh, wow. You I can lead on this. Um, I've, I've mentioned it before in my regret of actually going to see it. But by far, Slender Man <laughs> is the worst film I've seen. And I was trying to find something else, but I couldn't. And I've seen I've seen a lot of bad films this year. And I'm I'm looking. I was like, you know what? I mentioned Slender Man on the podcast enough time. Let me find something worse than that that I've seen this year. And I could not do it. <laughs> we appreciate your sacrifice. Yeah, it was like everything that could go wrong in terms of filmmaking did go wrong in terms of Slender Man. I'm talking character development. There was none. Even Slender Man himself looked like they like put something together on iMovie and put slapped it on screen. He looked terrible. Um, as far as the character interaction, because these girls are supposed to be best friends, and it's like you guys are acting like as if you just met. I don't believe that you girls actually like know each other or have a connection in any way, shape, or form. Um, and yeah, it's just every um, cheesy, crappy horror movie cliche or trope you can think of. It's in this movie and it's not even done well. Um, just lazy script writing from start to finish. Very weird, out of place scenes of just weird imagery that have nothing to do with the story. There will literally be like a scene in process and uh, there's, there's like a middle of the scene. This girl was looking like in the mirror and I'll, all of a sudden her eyes roll to the back of the head and there's just a bunch of creepy imagery for no reason. And it's not addressed at all for the rest of the movie and then you just keep moving. It's, it's weird. Fun. Very, very weird. And also a lot of the scenes from the trailer that made people go, oh, that's cool. I want to go see that movie. They're not in there. Ooh. So like the, I remember there was a scene in the trailer where they were in like science class and um, one of the girls had, like, you know, the little knife, and she poked herself in the eye. That scene's not in the movie. Uh-huh. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot of scenes where you go, oh, that's messed up. I want to go see this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not in there. So it's, it's a lot of issues that film had um, just from every facet, acting, directing, script. I, Slender Man himself, everything was just, it went to shit <laughs> in that film. <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yes. So my pick is Slender Man. All right. Slender Man's such a great character. That you could do great stuff with, like Marvel that was a Hornets frustrating part. Like there YouTube. was a whole lore that they could have explored and gone into, and they kind of did that a little bit. Like they did, you, there was a scene where they were doing research on him, and they were like video. They had you know like like videos of people recording themselves and they running into Slender Man and how it's affected other people. And that aspect I thought was actually cool, but it was like one scene, and they didn't address it ever again after that. Mm-hmm. So in after that, it just focused on like I said, these four girls who can't act. <laughs> And who have really no chemistry on screen together. And it, it was just, it went from bad to worse. Just as the film kept going, I kept getting more and more bored. Other people in the audience kept shouting at, it was, you know a movie's bad? When the entire audience collectively realizes they just waste their money mm. and starts hurling insults at the screen. And I'm, when I say everyone in the audience, I mean from the back row to the front row. <laughs> everyone was trash talking this Old movie women. halfway through. Love yeah, that. it was it was bad. Mm. So, All right. yeah. I didn't really see too many bad movies this year. Like, I don't think there's a movie I, I can pick out that I distinctly didn't like because I'm pretty good at 
not forcing myself to like sit through bad movies, but the one movie I will say I did not like the half hour I got into it was the uh, Black Mirror like choose your own adventure oh, film. I had fun with that. I did not like that because it felt like my choices didn't do anything. I got to the first choice and it was like, oh, you picked wrong. Go back and redo everything. And oh, I was like, yeah. I'm not doing this again. I give up. <laughs> so that was like, I, I was not a fan of that. Um, and I, I can't say the whole thing's bad because I didn't get through it all. But the half an hour or so that I did put into it, I did not enjoy. It's fun with friends and if you're drinking because then okay. you vote on everything and you're like, do it, do it. Yeah, let's that, get really it's, dark. It's time. <laughs> that, that sounds fun. But like yeah. I made like four choices and none of them did anything. Yeah, so. so, All right. Fair enough. My worst is Venom. I hated that movie so, so much. And it boggles my mind that Sony can make that schlock in the same year as Into the Spider-Verse and have Spider-Verse be so good and Venom be so bad. I think it was because, granted, I didn't see Venom, so I'm kind of assuming here. But I feel like with Venom, Sony's trying to create their own little pocket of Spider-Man live-action films that are separate from the MCU. And in... Hist- from with the history of Sony, they haven't had much success doing that. Right. Of the Spider-Man films they've made, only two of them, I'll say, were actually are really good, which is Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2. Uh, Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 are awful, and The Amazing Spider-Man is just okay. People like The Amazing Spider-Man. I think it's okay. I like. I, I think I it's okay yeah, as well. The first okay. five minutes of Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man 2 are actually pretty good, because yeah. it's like the first person where he's swinging, mm-hmm. yeah. and he's got like the... People say that's one of the most accurate suits to the comics, that suit he has in that movie. Yeah. So, like, that, but then it just goes yeah, downhill. so the Sony's history with the Spider-Man franchise has been shaky at yeah. best. So, giving them whatever they're, giving them a, you know, another live-action project, especially one like Venom, which mm-hmm. doesn't really work without yeah, Spider-Man. it's like, intrinsically tied the, to the Spider-Man. The character of Venom is intrinsically tied to Spider-Man in such a way that it's hard to make a film with him by himself work. Right, yeah. The one thing that I didn't hate about this movie was the back and forth between Eddie and Venom. That's actually pretty good because it's like, that's a thing that happens in the comics. But everything else in that movie, the setup, the villain going from Riz Ahmed just being weird and playing God for no reason to turning into the thing that I thought everybody had the consensus of not doing anymore, being a gray CGI monster. Awful. Fighting another gray CGI monster. Yeah, the fight was like a fight in Transformers. You couldn't tell what was yeah. going on because it's just two masses of goo that are black and slightly lighter than black <laughs> crashing into each other. And all the fights are at night because yeah. they know their CGI is not very good. It's so bad. And the the post credit scene where like <laughs> they I they must have felt so smart for this. They're like, we we're gonna put Cletus Cassidy in the in the post credit scene and tease Carnage for the next movie. It's gonna be so good. People are gonna get so excited. And you put Woody Harrelson in a What's that guy from Carrot Top? You put mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson in a Carrot Top wig and expect people to get excited? No. Stop, Sony. Yeah, just I, think, stop. I think they just said, let's put Woody Harrelson in here and like uh, give it our best. Because people like, like Woody Harrelson, looked right? Looked at a name of yeah. old white people and put it on a dartboard and then closed their eyes and threw a dart and like, uh, Woody Harrelson. And it's making money. And it's maddening to me. I know that. I, I get so mad when terrible movies like that. Like, same thing with music. When just consumerism is what's popular yeah it's just hard for me to rationalize that but there are a lot of people who don't who aren't into it like we are and just Mm -hmm. don't care and just want to turn their brains off and watching uh venom move across the screen for an hour and a half is enough for them i get it like i get why some people just want to like go oh that looks cool like aquaman like they want to turn their brain off and watch it Mm -hmm. and there are movies that do that really well like i think 
the amazing, like most of the Marvel movies are good at that. Um, mm-hmm. But like, Fast I, and I Furious as well. Yeah, I Fast and Furious. I don't. I don't like Fast. I was and about to say this. Is, it's, I like it's, Fast it's, and it's, Furious. It's a, and I wouldn't even say that. That Fast and Furious is the epitome of a turn your brain off yeah. and just enjoy it was the def- action. It's definitely the epitome of a turn your brain off film. But as far as like. It depends on the Fast and Furious. We don't need to get into that. Yeah, right I was say, that's, that's but, a little bit of a different. Yeah. yeah. Is that it for movies then? Yeah. I hate Venom. I hate that we're getting a second one and that they are probably going to greenlight Morbius with Jared Leto because Venom made money. So thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for that, so Sony. Much. You're continuing the game of keep away with Marvel Studios when we could get an actual good Venom going up against a good Spider-Man. But they're not going to do that because Venom made money. So thanks for that. Mm. Video games. Okay, so... um. The way I like to do video games of the year, because games are such, like, they carry over through culture for a very long time, more so than movies and music, I think. The way I do game of the year for myself is anything I played for the first time that year, regardless of when it came out. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk about a few of my favorites. Um, Dark Souls 3, I really enjoy. I haven't beaten it yet, but it's beautiful. It's beautifully frustrating, and it's a gaming experience like nothing else. And if you are... Tired of walking your way through games and want a challenge, Dark Souls 3 is the way to go. I think it's the most accessible in the series, and it's it's fun to play. Um, so that's my like three, my third, if you guys want to talk about some of your favorite games. Um, honestly, the, I didn't really get to a whole lot of new games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I'd say would stick out that sticks out to me the most would be Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Just mm-hmm. it's it, it's very similar to Origins. But in other ways, it's different, and I think in the ways it's different, it improves on the Assassin's Creed gameplay. Um, now that I'm used to their sort of change in the controls and how they do things, I've gotten I'll able to like. Whereas in Origins, I kind of started out and I was a little hesitant to do things because I'm still trying to figure out how to play the game because the controls have been changed. Whereas with Odyssey, I kind of already knew what I was doing, and I was just able to go in and just you know dive in head first and just start doing things as I want to. Um, so I'll definitely say Assassin's Creed Odyssey would be personally for me my favorite game of the year, but only because it's a little bit of an asterisk. I haven't really played a whole lot. Of, like I still haven't gotten around to playing Spider Man. I still haven't played Red Dead. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the games that people are you know raving about, I still haven't played. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say if I played one of those that those wouldn't be on my list. But for right now, I'll say Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed Odyssey. So those were your number ones. No, that was not my number one. That okay. was my number three. Okay, so I was all right. So my number three, I'll go. I'll go three, two, one. Three was Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Okay. Because I love me some Smash Bros. And this is like the culmination of everything that has ever been Super Smash Bros. And it's a lot of fun. And even with the tiny Joy-Con that I've always ever played on, because nobody <laughs> has GameCube adapters, it's a lot of fun. The maps, there's literally everything you could ever think of. The the characters that they're bringing in from other things are mm-hmm. really creative choices. There's some um, new uh, characters coming yeah, down the pipeline like that got Persona leaked. 5 Persona or whatever. 5, I've never played, but um, yeah. Do you have a Switch? No. Okay, because they're Persona Five is supposedly coming to the Switch, okay. and a lot of people are excited about that. Um, uh, my one and two are tied, actually. So, do you want to go? Your number two. Um, my number two. Honestly, I I would just by default it would probably be Madden eighteen <laughs> or Madden nineteen. My bad. Um, just because, like I said, I haven't played a whole lot of games this year, but considering my Madden addiction and how much I play it, I figure it should be <laughs> on my list. So, um. As far as controls go, it's similar to Madden of last year, but also very different because they changed the passing mechanics a little bit. I was throwing a lot of interceptions <laughs> when I first bought Same. the game. Mm-hmm. A lot. like I'm, And I'm talking just stupid ones that mm-hmm. I traditionally wouldn't, mistakes I wouldn't make. 
But once you kind of get that down, and I think the running the running style in the game is also very improved, whereas in previous Maddens, you'd hand the ball off, and it's very easy if you don't know what you're doing to get stuff for a two-yard loss. Whereas in this game, they make it a little bit more fluent, and it's easier to gain yardage, even if you're not, like, the most experienced Madden player in the world. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's probably where I'd go to next. Is the mechanic to, like, when you're wrapping someone up, mash the button to either, like, break the tackle or finish the tackle depending on what side you're on is that new um because it's it, the first it's time been i've seen in there it. before i'm pretty sure it was in um last year's madden if i'm not mistaken okay. um and it's still it's pretty much the same in this year they didn't really change it that much um and the mechanic can kind of get a little irritating at least for me because it's not something i really think about that much when i'm playing and it'll mm-hmm. just come up last minute and i more often than not lose that battle yeah i play but, with my roommates so we're equally unexpecting it yeah and so we're both terrible at the game yeah it's it, that's that, that's still taking an adjustment for me to eat for the second straight year even after playing madden 18 but um yeah that's i'd say that's probably second on my list just based on how much i play that game i can't not put it on my list all right okay my number two is red dead um, it's, it's good. I like it. Um, it's kind of slowed down. Like the first few chapters of it are like, did you finish really, it? No, okay. I'm in the middle of chapter six right now. Okay. So I think I'm close, but you're not, I'm not. You got like 12 <laughs> hours left. It's a slog. It's long. That's my complaint about it. That's yeah, why I've heard it, that about Red that's Dead. That's why it's not number one. It is so long. That it's, but it's extensive. Yeah. The first like few chapters are really, really engaging. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this is like, it's action packed and we're going from thing to thing and we're, it, the, the gang is really cool in their interactions but then it, t- it hits a point where it's almost like a chore and then it just yep. turns into shooting gallery after shooting gallery yeah the story is a little bit interesting still because you like you see like dutch's descent into like madness yeah and he's like getting more and more desperate and he's like i have a plan arthur yeah also if you know anything about the first one you know what happens i don't i'm i'm vaguely familiar with it okay but i've never played it so um yeah and like Seeing the changes, especially that Arthur and Dutch make as, as the game progresses, still keep me like on board. But I'm getting real tired of riding from San Denis to the mountains. I could do an entire podcast on to, Red Dead Redemption 2. To way over here. Mm-hmm. So now I got to go over to the plantation. Now I got to go back to San Denis, and it's just so long. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that there's a fast travel, but it's only at the camp. And it's only one way. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends about that. Actually, he's saying that was one of his main complaints that most of the game you're just spending riding from one place to mm-hmm. another, mm-hmm. and on the way you have a lot of distractions, so it's kind of hard to move forward in the yeah. story because you're constantly doing a bunch of other things aside from that, and there's really no way to really you, fast travel easily. If you have a route set, you can put it on cinematic and hold A, and he'll just follow the trail. Yeah, but then when there's a distraction, or sometimes he'll you're... like plow into an AI and you'll <laughs> die, and that's very annoying. Yeah. Like it's. It's a buggy game. Yeah, I do still like just how much is like packed into it with this like funky little side quest. Like I was mm-hmm. riding through the woods yesterday because I played it last night, and I just hear this howling, and I was like, "Ah, oh, great, gotta kill a bunch of wolves again." And then I just see this like naked dude <laughs> running yeah. through, like howling, and I was like, "What the hell?" And I was like, "I'm sure if I follow him, a thing will happen," but I don't want to, so I just kept going. Mm-hmm. It's just like little things like that, and it's been like that the whole game. You just like, yeah. run into people with like interesting little side stories, so. It definitely is really good in that regard of just how much, how fleshed out the world is. Okay. So. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2 is tied with Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for my favorite game of the year. Um, And like I said, I could talk about Red Dead a lot, but Arthur Morgan is my favorite fictional character in any medium ever. Really? Book, movie, 
anything. That's I love praise. Arthur Morgan's character praise. arc, and I love that character so much, and I fell in love with that character and how he interacts with the world. Mm. But Red Dead Redemption 2 is not an RPG. It's incredibly buggy. At least every every main story had some sort of bug. And that game needs you to do everything the exact way it wants you to. It's mm. basically a telltale game. Like, you need to go to this spot, you need to hit this button, you need to move over here, you need to do this, you need to ride this way, and then ride that way, and then ride this way. You need to, you need to do it all exactly as the game tells you to, and there's n- almost no player choice. Yeah. And the player choice it does give you is, like, let's do this now or do it later. And it works in... St- like, a lot of player choice works as a branch. Like, you make this choice, and then this happens because of it. But in Reddit, it works as a funnel. So it takes every player and makes sure that they're in the same scenario at the same time. And I I loathe it for that. But the writing and the way that Arthur Morgan goes about that world and interacts with that world is the best I've ever played or experienced. So if you're in, if you like Western movies, it's basically like playing a movie. Mm. And I say that as someone who's beaten the entire game... Um, I did every side quest that the game gave to me. I hunted almost all the legendary animals, and I'm making good progress on the challenges. I absolutely, excuse me, love that world, and I love that character. Um, have you gotten on to, into the online yet? Yes, a little bit. It's kind of a shit show. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so hard to make enough money to they, earn anything. They did fix the economy a little bit and give people money. I have no money. They didn't give <laughs> me any. I got in too late. So, like, now people who, who get on into the online have nothing, mm. which sucks. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I uh, I hunted the the pure white moose mm-hmm. yesterday. That was and then my cool. game bugged and I lost the skin. Although, um, okay, so they plan around their bugs now. Unlike Bethesda, whatever you lost will automatically go to the trapper, oh. so you can go to him and get all your stuff. Okay, back. That's, that's a relief. Yeah. Then I was mad about that because I was like, I feel really. This is like, wow, what are the, what, a, what a beautiful albino moose. I'm gonna feel bad shooting this, and then I shot it, and I did feel bad, and then I lost the fur. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, well, that was for nothing. Yeah, my. My, the most frustrating bug I ran into was randomly during a story mission, my horse will teleport on top of me, fall, and die. So I have to run out in the open while getting shot at, revive it, and then run back to cover so it doesn't get killed again. And it'll follow me around and die again. So that was the most frustrating yeah, bug I've that I've never had I a bug that bad. But. I also had an AI who would just beeline off into nowhere. And if he got a certain distance, the mission would end and I'd have to redo it. And the checkpoints are not forgiving. So mm. I did that six or seven times. And then finally I lassoed him and just made him follow me. Mm-hmm. And that was my way around it. But there were very frustrating bugs in that game. But it's it's worth suffering through. Yeah, Have they been patched or no? God, no. no. This was like last week. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Um, like I said, I haven't played a whole lot of games this year, so I guess by default, my third option would be Black Ops 4, only because I have not bought a Call of Duty, a Call of Duty game in like, three years mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to buy this one but my friend convinced me to and I was like fine just because my main uh complaint with Call of Duty is that it kind of felt like the same game every year maybe it's because I haven't played it in three years that it felt new to me even though a lot of the maps are like taken from previous Call of Duty games yeah. like every, I experienced the same thing with yeah. World War II so. yeah every yeah. map I played on was this map was in uh, Black Ops 1 or this map was in Black Ops 2. They or, really like Nuketown. Yeah, they Nuketown <laughs> was in there again. It was they they took a lot of stuff from old Black Ops games and just said we don't feel like creating new maps, we're just going to put it in there. Yeah. So that's kind of one of my main complaints of the game. While I like those maps, I kind of am playing to get something at least a little new and you can't even give me that. Mm-hmm. But I will say the multiplayer experience um actually I don't know why, but for me it felt different and I like I said, it could be just because I haven't played Call of Duty in three years. Mm-hmm. 
but it just felt new and refreshing as if I was playing it, like, you know, for the first time before. Mm-hmm. So I would say that just that experience of being able to feel like I'm, you know, playing Call of Duty for the first time again, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Even though the game itself, it's, it's not amazing, yeah. but just for me personally. I played the Battle Royale once, and because it's the future, I didn't know what any of the guns were. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what is this? Is this like an M4? No, it's a shotgun. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's always my complaint with the Call of Duty's that take place in the future. Because if it's World War II, and that's why I convinced myself to buy Call of Duty World War II, is like, okay, I like know what the guns do. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not all future weapons that look the same. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know what a, what an M1 Grand does. Yeah, that's another thing that messed me up, was a lot of the guns that I was given, to, like, playing online with, It's it takes a minute to try to get used to, okay, this gun does this, this gun does this, because they're not, like I said, like you said, they're futuristic guns. They're not real. Yeah. So you kind of have to... Pick, and there's no like story mode for you to go to for you to go right. okay when I play online Try you gotta remember the, this gun does yeah, this this and, is a good sniper right yeah like there's no campaign for you to play through to figure that out so you're kind of figuring it out as you're playing which is sort of yeah. different I'm not used to having to do that or like when they don't do what you think they're gonna do exactly so like <laughs> I for, that happened all the time for example and this might get to a little, a little bit too gun guy for you guys but the the AUG it's in Die Hard it's like the weird looking assault rifle mm-hmm. with the scope that's built yeah. in there's a future version of that in this game and I was like sick it's an AUG and it was burst, and I was like, mm-hmm. shooting at it. I was like, no, it's burst. Why is it burst? And then I <laughs> yeah, died. Yeah. So that's that's probably the worst when you think a weapon is automatic and it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that's no. that's yeah. the worst. Yeah. You like you just stand there like holding the button, waiting for something to happen, and then you die, and you're like, oh, I guess I'm an idiot in this scenario. Exactly. Yeah. That happened to me in Battlefield One a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my number one, uh, Spider Man, PS4, hands down. Um, another great free roam thing we had this year. Um, the the actual Spider-Man story in it is one of the best Spider-Man stories we've had on screen. Um, it has a, it's a really good. Um, there's ele- there's elements of a lot of different things from like Homecoming, from the Raimi films, from the comics. Lots of good like callbacks and like representations of all the villains in like a really purely comic booky way, where like a movie might not be able to do all the time. Like for example, the Rhino. Mm-hmm. In the movies, it was Paul Giamatti and like a big robot man. Oh, Paul! But then in a video game, they don't. They're not really constricted by actors and CGI and budget. So it's literally just a huge guy. In yeah, like right, he's like a mix of like yeah. a suit and he's like huge. And stuff like that was I found really enjoyable and like the level of detail with New York was really great and all like the different suits you can get. They entered, they finally brought in the Raimi suit. Those suits to shut are up the fanboys. amazing. But yeah, um. So you you can go around like you can choose like okay I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Toby today I'm gonna be Tom Holland today I'm gonna be Spider Man from this comic that I'm a big fan of it's like mm-hmm. Secret Wars and like went like just different iterations of Spider Man Noirs in it 2099s in it two different 2099 suits and just like all of that stuff it's one of the best superhero games ever made and it's really solid and I love it. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, Marvel just recently made a deal with a gaming company to try to get more games made. Yes, um, I, I think. I don't remember the name of the company, but I'm hoping that given Spider-Man, also from, I'm pretty, what was the name of the company that made Spider-Man again? Insomniac. Insomniac. I'm hoping between that and wherever this new company is that uh, Disney made this deal with, that we sort of get like a new batch of Marvel games that are mm-hmm. out of quality. Because it's been a while since we've really had that. The yeah. last... It's been console Marvel games right, we had where all the MCU. It's yeah, been all the 
Phase One MCU yeah. trash. Yeah. It's been tie-ins, Spider-Man games every now and then, a few X-Men and, like, games, Ultimate Alliance Some yeah. games that really sucked. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of hoping we can get back to you know just solid superhero games because mm-hmm. outside of the Batman Arkham games and this, we haven't really had any. So yeah. if we can get that, I think that would be a, a much needed addition to the whole to the gaming community, just because right. it's sort of lacking in that area. Yeah, and I it's think. such a it's such an untapped resource of games where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well we're gonna do we can do literally like Captain America, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, X Men, like all these different characters lend themselves to so many different cool types of games. And mm-hmm. I think Square Enix still has that Avengers project they're working on. That, I I don't. We if have not even heard a thing. anything about yeah. that since that. What's, I don't know. What's hard about trailer. video game superheroes, and this is why Spider-Man and Batman work really well specifically, is they're in one location. Mm-hmm. Like, they're in Gotham or they're in New York, and that's your open world, and there are the constraints for the player. But if you make a Captain America game, where do you start? Yeah. I'd make that like Uncharted. I, I guess you can do that, and that's where other games have gone, like very narrative level design, mm-hmm. but like those games aren't good. And in order for those games to be good, like Uncharted, you need huge budgets. Yeah. And I guess fair. Marvel's kind of in the position now where they can supply those mm-hmm. huge budgets. But up until now, it's been like, okay, what? how do we do this? Like, let's, let's do New York. If they're selective about who they license their stuff out to, mm-hmm. I think it can be really, really good. Yeah. And I think Star Wars is going to start doing this. Like once their contract with EA is up, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be like, okay, we are going to like keep this really close to the chest and only give it out to... Um, like game companies that like, okay, tell us what your plan is, and like, okay, this, 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 and this. Okay, sounds good. Here, here's mm-hmm. a little bit that you can you can play with. So I think if Marvel does that, and like makes sure it's like diversified, like types of games with their characters, mm-hmm. they've really got something there. Because, like you said, we've only we've only gotten crappy movie tie-ins, Spider-Man games every now and then, and shitty mobile games. Yeah. And we need we could use some more Marvel games. And I mean, there are other characters outside of, like you said, Batman and um, Spider Man that you could actually do that with. I mean, mm-hmm. Black Panther, you have an entire country. To yeah, do that absolutely. For. Yeah. Um, you could do like you know something like Daredevil or something like uh, Iron Daredevil. Fist or you know those. A lot t- of people like, want a Daredevil game. They're set in New York. There are other heroes, or you could even do Doctor Strange. Probably wouldn't be specifically set in New York. It'd probably be you know mm-hmm. traveling a bunch of other different places. You have three places. locations, yeah. and it's where all three of the sanctums are. That'd yeah, be cool. so like they're like Doctor Strange. You probably have to diversify the cities you're in. Um, you could probably do, even though I know there's a Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy game already, a legit you Guardians like of the Galaxy. Telltale's out of business yeah. now. You could do so like a Mass Effect type. Yeah, you could do like so, you know something more like open world, give you more options to travel mm-hmm. across space and stuff like that. I think there's a way to make it work. Yeah, but we just haven't seen it done yet. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any, any worse or honorable mentions? I didn't really play anything that was worth a worst. Yeah, I, I um, can't think of anything. I definitely played some bad games. I'm trying to think of what they were. At one point, I would have said Red Dead, Redem- Red Dead Redemption Two was a was a game that pissed me off, but the ending redeemed itself for me, and the story did. Um, yeah, I can't. I'm kind of disappointed in Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Oh, really? Um, just because it's. Very similar to the last remake, Pokemon Red and Red or Fire Red and Leaf Green. Like I still like the game. I'm just slightly disappointed in it. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything I'm super disappointed in, honestly. Um I played a lot of games this year and I don't think there's mm-hmm. any that I that I'm fundamentally unhappy with. Yeah. My honorable mention is Uncharted Four because I played through all those and that is like I was like kind of annoyed at one through three with like, oh why 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 isn't this a thing? But then in in four it was like the climbing mechanics were like really smooth. 
the 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 transitions between like traversing with like the grappling hook and like slinging guns and everything was like really really fluid and I really enjoyed it and um yeah it was just like a solid solid action game which is why like I shill like for like adventure games for like if you want to make like a Captain America or like a Wolverine game make it like Uncharted that's like Uncharted 4 is the reason that I like want more stuff like that because it's so good and I need to play the spinoff Lost Legacy. Actually, like speaking of Wolverine, that. that Wolverine Origins game actually was pretty good, pretty enjoyable. I, I at least I enjoyed it better than the movie. Um, much better than the movie. <laughs> That's probably the only good thing to come out of that movie was that X Men Origins Wolverine game because I thought it was really good. Okay, was, cool. Like I think it's because I think it's the only rated M X Men game we have, and I think it's, it's it was a good idea to do that for Wolverine because of how vicious of a character he yeah. is. Um, I think that game definitely works, and I think to do. Wolverine games from like from now on, if they're going to do any other games with Wolverine, I think that's definitely the way to do it. And mm-hmm. I think you could, I can't think of any other Marvel characters that are that vicious. I'll say maybe Blade or Ghost Rider that you could do sort of a rated M like take on those characters and just sort of be just a vicious mm-hmm. assassination type game. But what was that Deadpool game? There was Deadpool, but it I don't know. I didn't play through Deadpool, but watching the gameplay of it, it looks and it looked tonally very different from. That X Men Origins Wolverine game. Gotcha. That Deadpool game was kind of like I wa- I watched a playthrough of that entire game, and it was more like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it like a comic book Deadpool and not the movie Deadpool? It's very comic. Yeah, it's, it's more comic, comic booky, booky than it yeah. is. I can't believe I remembered this because it was like four or five years ago. Like it was a it was a it minute was a ago. ago yeah. yeah, I think it was before Ryan Reynolds Deadpool mm-hmm. kind of took off and came into his own, but like. The way they did that game was kind of half-assed. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. No, yeah. X-Men Origins Wolverine, from playing it, I can see just had a lot more attention to detail and was not very comic booky. It felt like just a real guy with claws killing people. Mm. Whereas, yeah, Deadpool felt very much like a comic book game, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's... It is if you half-ass it. Yeah, it is if you I wonder do what it the, the way they did. the Metacritic score for that and game is. It, and like I said, I didn't play that Deadpool game, so I'm not going to like judge it if, if it was good or bad or whatever. But it was just very tonally very different from that Wolverine game. Gotcha. Very different yeah. from watching people play it. Mm-hmm. And real quick, my worst is, if I had to pick a worst, the Shadow of the Colossus remake for PS4. Because it relies purely on people's nostalgia for it on PS2, which I did not have. And the controls were not good at all hmm. for a hmm. PS4 game. Like, I'm sure on, like, PS2 it would have been, like, and it is, like, people, like, say this is, like, one of the best games, like, ever made, especially for PS2. It's, like, in the PS2 Hall of Fame. But for PS4, it is not, no, it's not good. Hmm. I got maybe, like, three Titans in, and I was like, no, this is too hard. Hmm. Or Colossi, I guess. Real quick, what so. is everyone's, like, most anticipated game of 2019? I know what mine is. You so, guys go first, because I'm not sure what's coming out this year. Oh, I, I, I Mortal know. Kombat 11. I'm just going to throw is it Cyberpunk coming Cyberpunk, out Cyberpunk, yeah. Cyberpunk is possibly 2018, or 2019. That would be my most okay, look forward to. There was some rumors that Elder Scrolls 6 was coming out, but it's not going it's to. Because if it is, it's that. Or Halo Infinite, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or um, I forgot about that. You also got Gears of War 5 as well, which I would definitely be getting. I into Gears. I don't like Gears. I don't really. Really? Am I the only one that likes Gears I, on this one? I'm not huge on third-person shooters. Mass Effect is my gotcha. exception. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure what's coming out in 2019 either. But um, well, for now, I, I'll say uh, Cyberpunk. Okay. Or Mine's Halo. definitely Mortal Kombat 11, just because I've been waiting for a new Mortal Kombat game ever since Mortal Kombat X came out. As good as it was, I've just been... I don't know, wanting more. Mm-hmm. And that trailer, is, I know a lot of people complained about the music in it. I personally didn't have an issue with it. 
but uh, I know a lot of people had a problem with that. But just the way that was, sh- I don't want to say shot because it was all just CGI gameplay. Mm-hmm. But um, the actual fight between Raiden and Scorpion, sort of how they showed certain aspects are going to be in the game. I think you kind of saw that X-rays were still going to be a part of it. Raiden using weapons, you know, the, mm-hmm. from the surrounding area. So that's obviously still going to be a part of it. And also, um, from what I've been reading and hearing, there are going to be a lot of new characters added on. Okay. Which is kind of cool to see that Mortal Kombat is actually like adding on to the lore mm-hmm. and adding in new characters and not just recycling stuff we've seen before. So I would say that's just the MK fan of me since I've been playing that game. I've been playing Mortal Kombat as a franchise since I was like three or four. Mm-hmm. Like I said, way too young to be playing a game like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, just based on that, I'd say that's my most anticipated game of the yeah. year, of this upcoming year or of this year. Okay, I, I have one, and I just Googled it. Um, it's called In the Valley of the Gods, and I'm going to read the description like for the first time. All right. uh, it's by the same developers as Firewatch, which is one of my favorite games of all time, and that's why this I'm looking forward to. So In the Valley of Gods um, is about two female filmmakers as they explore an isolated valley in Egypt. The first-person game will see the player exploring, taking pictures and bonding with your partner. Campo Santo has managed to keep a pretty tight lid on the game since it was announced over a year ago. This is from Wired.com. So I'm looking forward to that because I love Campo Santo and everything they've done. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I, there's there's stuff that was like at E3 that I'm really excited for, like Last of Us Part Two mm-hmm. and Ghost of Tsushima. Dude, those, those, that, those Sony games looked really yeah, good. Yeah, the Sony games looked amazing, but they didn't have any confirmation dates. Nope. So I'm assuming probably 2020. Or maybe the, the new next, console. Yeah, next gen. Next gen. So which is might be announced in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Probably will be announced in twenty nineteen based on the amount of leaks we've had. Yeah. Also that new Star Wars game where you're like a Jedi being hunted by Inquisitors and Darth Vader about might be coming out in twenty nineteen. So cool. It's called Jedi Fallen Order or something. Mm. And it's set between three and four. Just like everything else has for the past like three years. I feel like Star that's Wars. the go to time it's period. It's not a sequel. Yeah. yeah. It's the, they're like, uh just stop doing that. Just set it between three like, and four. Where can we do it? Like we have thirty years between three and four. Three okay, and there. Four. There. Yeah. yeah, that's I don't know why that oh I mean I do know why, because of the large gap in time, you can just sort of play around and do anything you want with mm-hmm. no consequences. But that seems to be the go to time period for any thing that's not a yeah. film. Any like, like, expanded film. universe. Any yeah. sort of expanded universe thing, it's put between three or four. I think it's I feel like it's because everybody's waiting for nine to come out mm-hmm. because I feel like Lucas Lucasfilm is like there might be spoilers if you set things between six and seven. So mm-hmm. don't do anything between six and seven until nine's out. So once that drops, which is this year as well, maybe we'll get some more stuff in there because I'd like to see that's when the Mandalorian's set too. Yeah. But I'd like to see some stuff of what what's going on with with the state of the galaxy. I feel like then, there's a way because, to set it between six and seven without spoiling at least yeah, too much, depending just, on what story you're trying to tell. I just want to see more Clone Wars stuff. Yes, me too. Just show me Obi-Wan in battles, yeah. like legitimate battles. Mm-hmm. Like, me I want to see that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're getting uh, one more season of Clone Wars, thankfully. I, Dave Filoni's bringing it I'm back. I'm very behind on Clone Wars. I, I, I think my favorite rendition of that time period is like the Samurai Jack animated stuff. That's the best. That's... But it's not canon anymore. No, it's not. Which I, I honestly, it. I don't care. There's so much yeah. Star Wars stuff that is or is not canon. Like, as long as it's set in that universe, like with that tone, I'll still enjoy it, mm-hmm. even though it's not canon anymore. That, and it can be my head canon. I don't care. Yeah. That <laughs> bit when Grievous is hunting the Jedi in that crash uh, so destroyer. Cool. It's so good. It's like a he's like a xenomorph with lightsabers. Just horrifying. I love it so much. Yeah. And then yeah. Okay. Cool. You guys want to do read, watch, play? Yeah. Sure. What do you guys got? Um, I'll go. To, I'm actually instead of like what I'm reading, watching, and playing because we I've already talked about that. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna list my three favorite like 
albums of the year, okay. and in no particular order, it is Iridescence by Brockhampton, Astro World by Travis Scott. I was waiting for you to say that. And Yay <laughs> by Kanye West. So those are my three albums of the year. Okay. Um, over break, I uh, was able just because I was bored and had nothing better to do. Uh, watch season two of Runaways. Um, it was better than season one because I know last time I came in here and talked about season one, I wasn't a big fan of it. At least not the way it ended. Um, and it's better than season one. It's still really corny. It's mm-hmm. like my biggest issue with the show is just certain scenes and certain character interactions. I was just like, yeah, you couldn't have written that any better. <laughs> um, but overall, I would say just the camaraderie between the main group of kids just for a show that I turned on just because I was bored. Mm-hmm. I would say I got uh, some enjoyment out of it. And also it actually, because I don't know a whole lot about Runaways, the comics, but my understanding of it is it's supposed to be the kids versus their parents. And season one didn't really touch on that, and we didn't really get to see it that much. At least in season two, you still don't really get to see a whole lot of it, but you get to see more. Because, uh, you know, like the way, like I said, the way I understand Runaways is the kids run away and fight against their parents because their parents are evil. Mm. And in season two, you actually get to see actually fight scenes between all this certain kid and this parent. And you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's like, cool. Whereas in season one, it was just oh, we don't like you guys, we're going to run away and be separated. And pretty much the whole season, they're just separated. And you never actually see them confront each other until the last episode, and it's like a three-second fight scene, and then everyone goes their separate ways. So, well, season two did a much better job of actually fleshing out why, okay, why these specific parents have this issue with their kid, and yada, yada, yada. And it goes kind of down the line why each kid has an issue with their parents and sort of their relationship and everything. Mm. So I thought it was a much better done overall season than season one. It still has its issues, but... Definitely an improvement. Very good. Well, I watched a lot of movies, which the reactions to which are on our Facebook page. So if you want to, and I I think I talked about all three of them on here too. So Spider-Verse, Bumblebee, Aquaman. I also watched Mary Poppins. Nothing that much to say there. It's fun. It's a Disney movie. It's kind of wholesome. But I also finished catching up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And that that is such a good show. And I'm so excited for it to come back. And I love like the story behind it. Where like it got canceled and it Twitter single handedly brought it back in like yeah, two days. They're very scrappy, yeah. like that it even exists. And the writers yeah. are some of the smartest people on this planet. It's, I I love it. It's the guy who wrote The Office, Parks and Rec, and The Good Place. This is better and, than all of those, I think. I like Brooklyn Nine Nine better than every one of those shows. I I still like Parks and Rec more, but Nine Nine's more consistent mm-hmm. because season one of Parks is no good. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny, it's so like quick. All the characters yes. are like great. It like tackles like social issues, and it's like 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 police brutality. Like when Rosa came out, and like racism with Captain Holt and uh, Terry, which is really funny that it's Terry Crews and his also name Terry is Terry Crews. His real name is Terry. Yeah, yeah. but oh, such a good show. Just, yeah, amazing. And it is. It does kind of have that like heartwarming mm-hmm. thing too. Like the characters like give each other shit, but they're all very close friends. And it's yeah. at the end of the day, they're all still friends. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I love that show. how telling is it that like one of the most popular shows nowadays is a show about cops when mm-hmm. there's like so much like, oh, we need to like talk about police brutality and like accountability with the police. But it's like, almost like a parody of cops, yeah. like they're cops, but exaggerated mm-hmm. and they're like normal people. Right. And I understand that actual cops are normal people, but these are extremely failable people for the mm-hmm. most part. I, I absolutely love that yeah, show. It's good stuff. And having get those gay icons. Is just Captain like, Hole is the, the biggest gay icon of all it's time. It's so powerful. And like his backstory of being a gay black cop in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. is every like, time they flash back to it, 
I, I laugh it's like so crazy. It's like yeah. nothing will intimidate me. I've been on the force for 30 years as a gay black police officer. Yeah, Come like at the, me. The first time he brings it up, it's a flashback to, and he has like the wig and like the Samuel, he looks like Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And mm. he walks into the precinct and like all the cops look at him and he goes, I'm gay and black. And everybody just starts laughing. And you're like, oh, okay. Now we, now we know what he's been through and we, and we know like why his character is kind of the way it is. Mm. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's all. You ready to wrap? Yep. All right. I think so. So you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Raven Geeks. You can find us on basically every podcast streaming app, iTunes. Podcast yeah. app sucks. The podcast so app on your iPhone, we're there. It. Spotify, basically everywhere where podcasts can be found. And at cm-life.com, which is Central Michigan Life's website. You guys have anything to plug? Um, I have another podcast about politics. Uh, I'm not sure when that will come out, but it's called In It Together. So if you're interested in that as well, go ahead and check it out. All right, cool. Until next time, same bad time, same bad channel.